Hello and welcome to the first in a special Innovation Forum podcast series following the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow with me, Ian Welsh. There will be a brief update published every morning, more or less, over the next couple of weeks, reflecting on what's going on in and around the COP meetings. From later in the week, I'll be in Glasgow itself, attending a number of events and speaking with participants. So if you're at COP and fancy coming on the podcast, do get in touch. The events in Glasgow were, of course, to some extent, previewed by the G20 meeting over the previous weekend in Rome, which was a bit of a damp squib, particularly around pledges on fossil fuels, not least coal. The final communique pledges to stop financing new coal plants internationally by the end of 2021. But leaders stopped short of an agreement to end coal power in their own countries. Social media was briefly abuzz with images showing the steady progression of drafts of the communique diluting the language on coal. Other lukewarm headlines included a commitment from all to reach a target of net zero emissions by mid-century. So that's 2050, right? Not according to big emitters China and Russia, who have pushed their target dates back to 2060. However, there was a sense that the G20 meeting was a scene-setter, building momentum for the main event in Glasgow, and US and French officials were briefing as such. And so COP26 opened in Scotland's biggest city on Monday morning as world leaders arrived on Clydeside. To fill the news vacuum before the great and the good took to the conference podiums, reporters focused on the number of presidential and prime ministerial type limousines that were sitting with their engines idling all over the city. Not a great look. Reporters also pointed out that, demonstrating the best laid schemes gang after glay, as Robert Burns might have put it, severe weather in northern England and southern Scotland over the previous few days had severely disrupted train services between Glasgow and the rest of the UK. Many dignitaries who had been hoping to proudly travel to COP by a lower carbon rail were reduced to scurrying around booking air travel to ensure their arrival in Glasgow on time. Scottish newspaper The Daily Record picked up on the number of private jets flying in for the meetings, numbering over 400 and emitting 13,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide in the process. The record points out that this is more than the footprint of 1,600 Scots for a year and quotes anonymous sources saying that the travel is rank climate hypocrisy and the nadir of carbon inequality. So when the world leaders did finally get to the city centre COP venue, past the inevitably bad-tempered queuing journalists and activists, what did they say? UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson set the tone by comparing the climate crisis to a James Bond-style doomsday device that has to be stopped in the nick of time. The Prince of Wales, standing in for Queen Elizabeth, called for the world leaders to spend the trillions of dollars necessary to tackle climate change and for a military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. US President Joe Biden talked about standing at an inflection point in world history. The Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi had raised the hopes of many by simply attending in person. It had been rumoured that he'd be a no-show like Presidents Xi and Putin of China and Russia. And Mr Modi did make a net zero pledge for the Indian nation, but not until 2070, some two decades behind the likes of the US and the UK. He was vigorous in defending this target, however, and called for an immediate $1 trillion in climate finance from the developed world. Perhaps the star of the show, however, was veteran UK environmentalist and broadcaster Sir David Attenborough. He asked the leaders if this was how they wanted our story, i.e. that of the human race, to end. A tale, he said, of the smartest species doomed by that all-too-human characteristic of failing to see the bigger picture in pursuit of short-term goals. Sir David pointed to the fact that those who will be most impacted by climate change are not some future generation, but young people alive now. This should be a spur to action to, as he said, rewrite the story and turn tragedy into triumph. During COP, I'll be joined by guests to reflect on the day's events and to discuss what they're hoping for and, if they're attending, what their COP looks like.
As the opening day came to a close, I caught up with climate journalist Mike Scott, who's been reporting on the run-up to COP for Animation Forum. Before we hear from Mike, a quick bit of continuity transparency. Our chat just preceded Indian PM Narendra Modi's announcement on Net Zero, as will become apparent. Joining me is Mike Scott, who recently won the Contribution to Climate Change Journalism Award at the Sustainable Media Awards. Mike, you'll be covering COP26 for us. You've done some coverage already, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Early days, but what are your impressions of COP26 so far? Well, it's got off to an interesting start, hasn't it? The build-up to it hasn't been great. The outcomes from the G20 summit in Rome were not exactly what people were hoping for. They were hoping for stronger statements on phasing out coal and on climate finance pledges, which haven't really been forthcoming yet. And then you've had everyone struggling to get to Glasgow, ironically, because extreme weather events have shut down a lot of the trains up to Scotland. Hasn't started amazingly. It is, as you say, very early days and and we'll we'll see what happens. Yes, and of course, you haven't even mentioned the fact that the bin men in Glasgow are going to strike today as well. So that'll (laughs) cause further issues, but no doubt they'll get around them. So what should we be looking out for over the coming days? What are the sort of signposts that you're looking for for progress? Some of the things that we are likely to see progress on. One is an effort to cut methane leaks. I think that is an issue where it's a no-lose situation for everyone, really. No one really has any good reason to object to it. Another important issue where we need to see progress, but it's hard to know if we will, is around what's called Article 6, which is the process from the Paris Agreement, which is all about setting up carbon markets globally. It's basically been held over since Paris. They've failed to come to an agreement. But if we could get some kind of, of agreement on that, it would be a real step forward. That's a good one to look out for. One of the most important things is happening tomorrow, but not in Glasgow, in Washington, where the vote on Joe Biden's climate plan goes ahead. already been massively stripped back because of objections, ironically, from Democrat senators in coal states. But if that goes through, then it gives a bit of impetus to, to US efforts to reintegrate themselves into the climate process and could encourage more commitments from other countries as well. Listeners, you'll be hearing this on Tuesday. When Mike says tomorrow, he does mean Tuesday. We've uh, Sadly, we've been caught out. We are recording this on Monday afternoon. So Tuesday's vote in the US Congress, I think, as you're right, Mike, will be absolutely key. What about other issues? Are you seeing much happening around uh, hydrogen and, um, and heating? These are things that have been big within the UK's climate strategy, haven't they? The net zero strategy that the UK's announced. These are two issues where we will see something come out. Again, because the technology is there, sort of laid out, ready to go in a way. And you have had a whole load of announcements on hydrogen strategies around the world. Dozens of countries, you know, plus the EU have come out with these plans to develop clean hydrogen. And it is just going ahead at an amazing pace. The capacity for electrolyzers for green hydrogen, for example, the total global capacity last year was 200 megawatts. And by 2025, it's meant to be something like 30 gigawatts. It's an astonishing pace of growth going ahead. So yeah, I think we'll see stuff on there. And heating, the same thing, the technology is there. There are some hurdles to overcome with the gas producing countries. There's some resistance, but I don't see why there shouldn't be some kind of progress there. Expansion required in hydrogen is indicative of the pace of changes required across the board on so many levels. 
You're going to be doing a report for us after the end of COP26. Here's your chance to look into the crystal ball. There's a lot of political capital being burnt to try and make the conference a success. So come the end of next week, what's your sense for what will be the actual outcomes? It is difficult to know whether the G20 was holding some stuff back for COP26, if they're going to pull some rabbits out of the hat, or whether it is a genuine reluctance to seed ground on coal, particularly, I think, India, China and Australia are very reluctant to make any commitments there. But Modi is actually coming to Glasgow. You would think if he wasn't going to announce something fairly groundbreaking, that that probably wouldn't be the case. I think Scott Morrison is coming against his will, <laughs> but he thinks he has to be here. In terms of successor, I think there will be some kind of announcement on coal. I think it will disappoint a lot of people, but there will still be some progress on that. It's really hard to say if there'll be any progress on the Article 6 stuff and, and global carbon markets. It's been quite quiet, which makes me wonder if actually there is something up their sleeve going to emerge. I think and a lot depends on the US vote. I think if that, that is positive for Biden, then it could transform the mood of the whole summit. Lots of things to look out for. But it is, of course, good that Prime Minister Modri from India and Prime Minister Morrison from Australia are joining the party. I suspect they're not going to come to say nothing, as you say. So let's see what transpires. But for now, Mike Scott, thanks very much. Thanks a lot. I hope to catch up with Mike again next week. As I said at the outset, if you are in Glasgow and would like to appear in the podcast, please do get in touch. Coming up today, Tuesday, will be more opening statements from world leaders and discussion on how forests and land use can contribute to achieving the 1.5 Celsius goal, supporting sustainable communities and the role of finance and adaptation to a warmer planet. There is also due to be debate involving business on innovation and the deployment of clean technologies. I'll be back at the same time tomorrow reflecting on all of that. And until then, I've been Ian Welsh and goodbye.